Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. For many people, COVID-19 involves months-long battles with lingering symptoms and uncertain futures. Today, we're going to talk with a doctor who has been treating patients who suffer from what's called long COVID and hear how concerned we should be about it. We'll also hear from a doctor who has been suffering from long COVID and, of course, hear from you, our listeners. That's all next on Detroit Today. But first, the news from NPR. Detroit Today is supported by the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Good day and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and I'm really glad you've tuned in today. So it's been about three years since the world turned upside down because of COVID-19. And for a lot of us, that meant the beginning of lockdowns, of wearing masks, and being not just hyper-vigilant about protecting ourselves and others from this deadly virus, but grappling with the sadness and the disruption that was to come. But by all accounts, today, the pandemic is kind of waning. The last big peak in COVID hospitalizations happened in January of 2021. And last week, the Biden administration announced that it is going to end COVID-19 public health emergency protocols in May, which signals a real beginning of the end to the meat of the COVID-19 pandemic. But just because the pandemic is fading from view doesn't mean that all of us are experiencing the same things. And COVID is still lodged in the bodies of many Americans. I'm specifically referring to long-haul COVID, which is an extension of the illness that can cause lingering health problems and wreak havoc in people for months. Think of the people you know who've had COVID and how it doesn't affect all of us the same way. For some people, it's a couple of days or maybe a week. But for others, it goes on and on and on. To the point where, for some people, they wonder whether they will be experiencing permanent changes because they contracted COVID-19. A little later in the hour, we're going to talk with Dr. Salam Kabani, who is a pharmacist who recently wrote a memoir about her experience with long-haul COVID. But before we get there, we want to talk with Dr. Benjamin Abramoff. He is the director of Penn Medicine's Post-COVID Assessment and Recovery Clinic, and he treats long COVID patients at Penn Medicine in Philadelphia. He's here to talk about what long-haul COVID is, how to manage the illness, what the remedies are, and how concerned we should all be about this long-term effect of the pandemic. Dr. Abramoff, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. So what is long-haul COVID? And I guess, how is it distinct from COVID-19? What is the explanation for why, for some people, This is something that goes on for a really long time. That's a really good and important question. Uh, Interestingly, there isn't one solid, well-agreed-upon definition of long COVID. Uh, The one that is used by WHO, I think, is pretty accurate in terms of how we tend to think of it. It's symptoms that last for a long period of time. Uh, According to the WHO definition, that's more than three months. Uh, it ha- the, la- the symptoms have to linger, so usually for at least a month or two of ongoing symptoms. And there can be no other 
uh, diagnosis or alternative diagnosis that explains the symptoms. Now, what causes it, why it's there in some people and not there in others, that's something that we're still learning. Uh, and there's a lots and lots of hypotheses out there. Some of the leading hypotheses are uh, persistent viral remnant or protein or remain that uh, continues to amplify the immune system. Uh, some people, uh, it's due to acute injury from the inflammation that occurred at the time of the acute COVID infection. Uh, another theory has to do with autoimmunity, and there's other ones as well. Uh, but those are some of the more uh, prominent ones that are starting to get uh, more and more uh, recognition. We know that COVID does uh, significant changes to the body, and we know that people with long COVID have some differences in terms of their uh, their cells and things like that after their injury. Uh, but we're not sure exactly what's cause and, and what's effect. So um, let's talk about the ways that people might know if they're suffering from long-haul COVID and whether this is something that uh, is immediately identifiable. And, and the reason I ask that is that I, I feel like I know some folks who had COVID-19, uh, saw most of the symptoms go away in a, you know, a regular period of time, and then after a few weeks noticed that, uh, you know, either uh, there were symptoms that, that remained or kind of new symptoms or new effects that they didn't have uh, while they were still testing positive for, uh, for the disease. So, so, so talk about the ways in which people are experiencing this. Yeah, so I think it's important to note that after a severe viral infection, uh, one like COVID, it's not unusual to have some symptoms that persist even for, for weeks and weeks, um, things like fatigue or just feeling um, unable to kind of perform, let's say, in the gym like you did prior to the viral infection, that's relatively normal. And that's why we use kind of a threshold of a few months because we've seen a lot of patients that are very early after their infection within the first few weeks that have uh, not recovered all the way and they go and they just give it some time and by the time a few months comes along, uh, they're feeling a lot better. Now, there are some signs that maybe the symptoms won't go away, um, particularly if you're very sick. Now, there's less hospitalizations and people in the intensive care unit now. But for those patients, having symptoms for weeks and weeks and even months, that, that's normal. But we've actually seen a lot of, and the, the predominant majority of people that we see in our clinic today are those who weren't that sick initially, they're more mildly affected. What I would say is if it's been you know, two, three, four weeks and you feel like you're just not getting better or um, you feel like you're getting worse, those are times to, as a first step, reach out to your primary care physician. Uh, the other thing that this is we kind of start thinking about treatments and kind of how to manage, if you're still, if you've been through this a bad acute illness with COVID and you're feeling pretty run down, don't rush to get back into all your activities and exercise. Give, your, give yourself some time to recover from that uh, pretty severe viral infection. Hmm. I'm talking with Dr. Benjamin Abramoff. Uh, he's director of Penn Medicine's Post-COVID Assessment and Recovery Clinic. He treats long COVID patients at Penn Medicine in Philadelphia. Uh, we're talking about long-haul COVID, uh, the kinds of effects of the COVID-19 virus that don't go away uh, even after you're no longer testing positive for uh, the disease. Uh, we'd love to hear from you uh, during the conversation as well. Do you know uh, that you've had long-haul COVID? Uh, what has that experience been like? How did you know uh, that you were experiencing long-haul COVID? What are the things that you did to treat it? And uh, do you know other folks who have suffered from this. Uh, also, if uh, you're someone who is struggling with this and not sure 
uh, what you should do or how to treat it. Uh, Dr. Abramoff is a great source uh, of information uh, about how to deal with uh, this disease. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag us at Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation that way. Also, uh, if you just have... Uh, thoughts or feelings about where we are in the pandemic. Uh, it, we're coming up on the three-year anniversary of that uh, that dramatic week when I think all of us realized kind of at once that, uh, that things were really coming apart and that uh, this was not just a serious disease, but that it would have serious effects on all of us, whether we had it or not. Uh, three years is a long time. Lots of things are different. Uh, there are lots of people who are not here, uh, who were here before all of this happened. Uh, as always, here on the show, we want to provide uh, the space for folks just to talk about what they are experiencing uh, with COVID-19, uh, even three years later. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, and you can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Dr. Abramoff, I want to talk about how doctors have been managing long-haul COVID for people who are uh, affected, the things that, uh, that, that you have to do and how they might differ from the treatments for COVID itself. Yeah, so as we are still learning the, the underlying mechanisms of long COVID, we don't really have any one drug or, or treatment that covers everyone who comes through the door. It really is an individualized treatment plan, and it's very much symptom-based. So depending on what symptoms the person is coming to see their doctor for, whether that's fatigue or brain fog or loss of taste and smell or headaches, each one of them is dealt with very differently. Uh, and then the other thing I would make sure to add is that one of the, the major roles that we see is making sure nothing else is going on. So, for example, a common thing that we've come across is undiagnosed either sleep disorders or sleep disorder breathing, like sleep apnea. And for whatever reason, uh, patients don't really have many effects of that. We've seen patients who haven't had much effects of that prior to COVID. And then afterwards, whether it's due to some exacerbation or having some underlying fatigue that's just in combination with their sleep apnea, if we're able to treat these contributing factors, um, that makes a big difference. So we, we, we always try to rule out anything that's directly treatable uh, while we think about how we treat all of their patients' long COVID symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, when you're dealing with this in the hospitals, I, I also... Uh, wonder what role the the vaccine um, plays in the analysis of who's suffering from from long COVID, uh, and obviously I, I, the vaccine would not be a solution necessarily to long COVID. But but it's something that we think about all the time, which is what are the benefits of the vaccine? What are the limitations uh, of the benefits of of the vaccine? And I'm wondering how that how that interacts with this idea of long COVID? Yeah, that's a a very good question. So I think one important thing to keep in mind is anything that we or you or anyone can do to uh, make the initial infection less severe will lower the chances of long COVID, whether that's staying out of the hospital or just uh, decreasing the severity of the acute infection. Uh, So instead of being in bed and not doing anything and, uh, non-functional for 10 days, it's only a couple days where somebody's feeling in bed and can't really function. All those, um, any, anything that we can do to help with that, that acute period will help prevent long COVID. So whether that's vaccinations, which we know uh, can prevent uh, the severity, decrease the severity of acute infection, or Paxlovid, another medication um, that's being used in the acute period for COVID, all of those things have the potential to increase the chance of long COVID. Now, for somebody who has long COVID, there is some evidence. Uh, it's not great, but it's out there that uh, the having a vaccine while you have long COVID may improve symptoms. 
Now, that's not true for everyone, but certainly I've had some patients who have long COVID and they've gotten the vaccine and felt better afterwards. Now, there are some smaller minority of patients who have felt an exacerbation of symptoms with the vaccine, um, but oftentimes these patients have difficulty with uh, vaccines in general. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking with Dr. Benjamin Abramoff, Director of Penn Medicine's Post-COVID Assessment and Recovery Clinic about long-haul COVID. Uh, We're going to want to get going with you guys on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll start with Susan in Oakland County. If you want to join her again, 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we can work you into the conversation that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm glad you've joined. Our guest right now is Dr. Benjamin Abramoff, Director of Penn Medicine's Post-COVID Assessment and Recovery Clinic. He is treating long-haul COVID patients at Penn Medicine in Philadelphia. That's what we're talking about today is long COVID. Uh, The idea that for some people, uh, contracting uh, the disease that caused a worldwide pandemic is not uh, something that lasts just for a few days or a week. It lasts for months uh, on end. The symptoms uh, go on and on. Uh, We would love to hear from you, our listeners, about your experience with uh, long COVID. Uh, Have you had uh, what what you would call long COVID? Have you had uh, lingering symptoms for a long period of time after getting COVID-19? Let us know how you know that you had long COVID. Also, let us know how you've interacted with uh, our medical system uh, to, to, to treat it. Uh, what what are doctors telling you you should be doing? What solutions do they have for the symptoms that uh, you're experiencing? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we can include you in our program that way. And again, I'm just going to throw this out here. Uh, This has been a place for about three years now that uh, we have talked really intimately and honestly about the pandemic and its effects not just on us as individuals but on our community. Uh, We will always maintain that space for you if you just want to talk about the pandemic and where we are with it. Uh, We are in a really different place, of course, now than we were three years ago, uh, but there are still things that uh, some of us are grappling with. Uh, This is the place to be able to do that. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's start today with Susan in Oakland County. Susan, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hi. Um, Yeah, I want to preface this that at the time um, I tested positive, I had already got vaccinated three times. Hmm. And my My third vaccine was very close. Um, I'm also someone who manages, has a well-managed bipolar diagnosis. And um, after I tested positive, um, it presented really just like allergies, but it threw me, absolutely threw me into a bipolar episode, which is consistent with how viruses react in my body. Mm. And it threw me into an episode. I lost hair. I had um, I had once been able to hike in mountains. I could hardly walk up a hill when I got home. And so I sought uh, professional help um, through you know different doctors and told them you know that I had tested positive for COVID, and they all just blew me off you know um, because it didn't present as standard symptoms. Hmm. Uh, Susan, first of all, I'm really sorry that that you've had that experience, both in terms of uh, what you're dealing with, with the illness and and the inability to get, uh, you know, attention, medical attention for it. Uh, Has that continued? Have you have you still not been able to find, you know, a doctor who's able to help you out? Yeah. You know, there's odd things that showed up until you know, I was having significant hair loss. 
uh, significant issues walking up hills. Um, and this is a woman who had hiked the Rocky Mountains, mm. you know, at altitudes of 9,000 feet. And uh, I couldn't walk up a hill over here in Farmington. Mm. And so I, I would go to the specific doctors. And uh, I was told I was fine or I should just use Rogaine for all this, you know, crazy hair loss. And it was my hairdresser that, you know, saying this is what she's seeing in yeah. women, you know, this radical change. Wow. Do I, do I know this is long COVID for sure? I really don't. But these are things that happened so radically right after I tested positive. Sure. So, I mean, within weeks. Yeah. Susan, I, within days. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the call and you sharing your story. I'm, I, I do hope that you're able to find, you know, some some relief uh, from a doctor somewhere. But Dr. Abramoff, you were talking about how difficult it can be sometimes to identify symptoms as long haul COVID, but, but, but I also would love to have you talk about patients who are having a hard time convincing doctors that that's what they're dealing with and getting the attention that they need, which I imagine is not confined just to Susan's case. Yeah, I think Susan's story is uh, fairly typical for a lot of patients. Now, uh, I'm not sure exactly when Susan got sick, but I'm optimistic and kind of my read of the landscape is it's changed somewhat over time as clinicians and physicians have become more uh, familiar with long COVID as an entity. Uh, but certainly early on in the pandemic, patients would often have the feeling of being kind of shuffled around from provider to, pro- to provider without getting answers. And they'd say, it's not your heart. You should see a neurologist. It's probably your brain. Well, it's not your brain. You should see a rheumatologist to make sure it's not autoimmune. And the difficulty one of the difficulties with long COVID is that there's not a test that says, yes, you have long COVID, or no, you don't have long COVID. It's really a, a clinical diagnosis and also a diagnosis of exclusion, making sure that nothing else is going on. One, one recommendation I'd have for uh, those who kind of had that feeling of being shuffled around, look for a, a long COVID clinic at that point if you feel that you're primary care provider and other physicians you're seeing really don't have much of an answer and are kind of, again, shuffling you. Um, there's a list on a website called SurvivorCore.com. Uh, uh, SurvivorCore keeps an updated list kind of for each state of long COVID clinics. So that might be one place that I'd recommend uh, for people to look at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Susan, again, uh, good luck, and I'm really sorry that you're experiencing what you are. Let's go next to Larry in Dearborn. Larry, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mainly want to say I've had post-viral fatigue disabled for about 30 years now. This is when it was called chronic fatigue, and the most important thing to me about the long COVID is that it's finally getting some funding to look at this, and we had a local hero here, a retired virologist from Wayne State named A. Martin Lerner, Dr. Lerner. Mm-hmm. He researched this on his own, along with just a few other dedicated doctors, like from Incline Village, Dr. Peterson, and a few others. Uh, you know, but there's no, there was no funding. This disease was brushed aside as just long COVID, yuppie flu, and we were completely ignored. Uh, and now finally, here is a massive number of uh, patients who cannot be ignored. And finally, we're going to get some funding hmm. and somebody somewhere is going to get to the bottom of this. And I want to mention Dr. Ron W. Davis, who is researching at uh, California at Stanford. Hmm. So, 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 Larry, have you been able to find relief now that, uh, as you say, people are paying more attention to this because of COVID? No, there's no answer. There's lots of theories. There's no answer. Hell no. I just have to learn to live with it and live within your envelope. Hmm. Hmm. Larry, I, 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 again, appreciate the, the, the call and the information. Uh, Dr. Abramoff, uh, it's interesting to think about the relationship between 
long haul COVID and the response to it because COVID affected so many people uh, and other post-viral uh, kinds of conditions that, uh, for instance, Larry is talking about, and and the fact that we hadn't had the same kinds of reactions because they didn't affect as many folks. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And Larry's um, emotions and sentiment, uh, I've heard several times, many times before, from people who had pre-existing uh, post-viral uh, sequelae that persisted. And he is certainly uh, not the only one who feels like that. And um, I think there is a level of optimism for these patients who did feel really ignored and did not have the resources. And certainly the scope of COVID has led to many more uh, post-viral uh, syndromes that are, that are continuing. And he's right that a lot of what we do and what he's doing, it sounds like, is trying to manage symptoms. Uh, and not necessarily a cure. And that's what everybody, including myself, is, is ultimately hoping for. Um, and the other thing, one other note I'd say is that uh, there was a recent study that came out um, that did show that long COVID may have a better trajectory than chronic fatigue syndrome, although uh, we still have more to learn about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Larry, again, really appreciate the call and uh, the comments and, and hope that you're able to, to find uh, some relief at some point. Uh, let's go to Victor in Ann Arbor. Victor, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, great conversation. Great subject. I got COVID back in uh, March of 20 and subsequently my sequela from brain fog, um, other issues. My, my biggest concern is I had a stroke and I had loss of vision, went through a tremendous series of testing to find no issues whatsoever physically. Um, but however, my cytokine panel, my blood panel, uh, seems to be eight to 22 times, uh, higher than normal. So we've been chasing that one right now. My challenges have been going from a prominent university, uh, setting to which, there's nothing we can do. Sorry, there's no data to trying to send on my own to holistic uh, approach and other other venues. So my challenge has been coming to terms with I'm physically the guinea pig or people like myself or the uh, learning or the we're, we're the data providers. And it's been very challenging to hear the traditional doctors time and time again from specialists to the PCPs. I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do because we don't have enough data. So that's been my frustration coming to terms. Hmm. And, and when they tell you they don't have enough data, has anyone suggested to you that that the data is being collected and, and over time that will get better, Victor? Or are they just saying we, we can't help you? Uh, I don't think they have an answer such as, uh, okay, we're aware of 16 studies out there and in two or three or five or ten years, we'll know more. I don't think it's succumbed or I don't think it's evolved into that in the conversation. It's, it's been a matter of there's no data out there for us. Um, it sounds okay, and, and you should see the specialist because of this condition or this condition. They finally opened up a couple of what you just said, the long uh, clinics, and they're mostly towards uh, psychiatric. How do you help yourself dealing with this? Not a... Not not anything uh, physiolo physiological. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of in the middle of the road here, mm. turning to the left, listening to the traditionalists, and going to the right, listening to a holistic approach, which has been very cumbersome. I've been on as many as 30 supplements over the last two and a half years. Right now, I'm uh, um, just challenged with what to do, yeah. other than another blood test coming up, but. Mm. I, I think eventually in time, obviously, that's the answer to everything. In time, we'll have more information, and sure. I'm just part of that, you know, how many hundreds of millions of people out kind there. Kind of caught in the gap, yeah. Yeah. Victor, I really appreciate the call and uh, and the information. Uh, <clears throat> Dr. Abramoff, this idea of data collection, I mean, that's that's part of, I imagine, what, what you're doing uh, at the – uh, post-COVID assessment and recovery clinic. The question, I think, for folks like Victor is, uh, will that pay off for them and, and when? Yeah, I, I think he, Victor brought up some really important points. 
Um, one being that there has been a tremendous amount of investment into research into long COVID at the national level through the NIH, although it's, it, it is slow, and it's particularly slow for people who are living with the, the disease of long COVID the syndrome. Um, and so with time, I'm very optimistic that we'll have some evidence-based treatments, uh, but it's, it's obviously not fast enough for those who are suffering day to day. Uh, now, there are clinical trials that are currently being conducted along with, on treatments, along with those studies that are looking at underlying pathophysiology. So hopefully, again, with, with time, we'll know the answer. He also brings up the question of, well, how do we live in this, this area where we don't have much evidence? And something that you know, we try to do in our clinic is use evidence from closely related conditions like chronic fatigue syndrome, like POTS, but we don't necessarily have direct evidence at this point in the setting of long COVID. And so when non-traditional or holistic or functional uh, approaches uh, patients spring up, that don't contain evidence, you know, I think it, there's a lot of things that go into the decision whether to try that or not. One of the main ones is risk versus benefit. So if the risk is small, uh, then, uh, and the cost is not uh, excessive, well, then they may be reasonable things to try. And uh, I've had patients with really good success with supplements and other non-traditional treatments like acupuncture, but uh, there's also been stories and case reports and patients that I've seen that have spent literally probably over $100,000 traveling around the world seeking cure with, with treatments that are not evidence-based. And those patients, you know, have not gained anything. And that's where the evidence really at, at a fundamental level is so important to collect. Okay. All right. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Vermoff, it was really great to have you here with us uh, to talk about uh, long-haul COVID on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, Stephen. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Dr. Salam Kabani, who is an infectious diseases pharmacist and author of COVID Long Hauler, My Life Since COVID. She's going to talk about her experience with uh, with long COVID. We're going to continue to hear from you on the phones and on social as well. 313-577-1019 is the number here. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Bringing you news that matters. Stories that impact your life. Music from the Motor City and around the world. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and I'm glad you've decided to join us today. Long-haul COVID has afflicted a lot of folks in this country and around the world, but it's not often we hear the perspective of long-haul COVID from someone who is an actual doctor. Well, Dr. Salam Kabani, uh, an infectious diseases pharmacist, is the author of a new memoir titled COVID Long Hauler, My Life since COVID. She is with us now to talk about her experience with long COVID, how it's shaped her life, and how it alters her perspective on infectious diseases. Dr. Kabani, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. It's an honor to be on your show. It's great to have you with us. So uh, how did you come to realize that you had uh, long-haul COVID? Walk us through your experience with COVID itself and then uh, with these lingering symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, you know, was fully vaccinated right when the vaccines became available, doing good. 
And then end of August of 2021, if you recall, there was that big Delta wave and I actually had a breakthrough infection. Um, it hit me pretty hard. You know, I didn't need to be hospitalized, but I was at home just in bed for 40 days. Um, and it just took a really long time for me to get better. Well, I went back to work after 40 days thinking I was all restored, um, but symptoms kept coming up and I kept deteriorating and I just was doing really poorly. And at the time, I didn't even know there was a thing called long COVID, but thankfully my provider, um, she recognized that this was going on. And so about a month after going back to work, I went on disability for almost a whole year um, to deal with the long COVID. It was just a lot of persistent symptoms from the initial infection, a lot of lung pain, um, air hunger, excuse me, air hunger, things like that. Um, but then a lot of other miscellaneous symptoms like brain fog, light sensitivity, um, sound sensitivity, you know, just a wide variety of symptoms. And when you started to experience these things, what did you think? Did you did you immediately associate them with COVID or did you maybe think something else was going on? You know, I did not associate them with COVID. Um, I would say the cough and the sore throat, yes, but everything else, the extreme fatigue, um, just the random like left leg tightness that I had for almost a whole year, the limping, all of that. I sometimes I thought it was just in my head. Um, and sometimes I thought there was something else going on. Like I remember I was on a medication and I was like, oh, this must be a side effect. So I stopped that medication. Nothing changed. You know, it was just a big process of elimination because in my mind, it didn't make sense that all of these symptoms having nothing to do with the respiratory system would be related to COVID mm. or long COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, talk about how this has affected your life and your work and things like the way you interact with friends and family. Uh, has, this, has this essentially changed your life? And do you wonder whether it's changing your life for good? Absolutely, Stephen. It's changed my life completely. Um, I am very fortunate and that I'm doing much better now. Um, I can't say that that's been everyone's journey, unfortunately, but it's really shaped how I view disability. It's changed my life, certainly. I mean, I was on disability, if, if we're counting since I got COVID, you know, end of August through um, mid-August of the following year, so almost a full year of disability. I have to travel across the country. At first, I went to the Cleveland Clinic for a few months, and at the time, I was living in Northern California, so quite the journey, you know. Um, traveled there to seek higher level of care, and then after that, I also traveled to Stanford, um, which was also um, a little ways away from where I lived. So lots of expenses, lots of just being away from home, from work, um, to get that level of care, and it's really helped me see how broken our healthcare system is. And, and I won't get into that, but I just mean how challenging it is to navigate. You know, I come from privilege. Both of my parents are healthcare providers. I am a healthcare provider. So even for me, seeing how difficult it is, mm -hmm. it really made me empathize with patients. You know, I, I can understand why some people just want to throw in the towel when they're sick because it's expensive you're not guaranteed that you're going to get better. And it's just very challenging to navigate. And to go back to your initial question, um, it really did affect my relationship with friends because especially when I was going through the brunt of it, you know, um, the, the part that's really hard for people to understand with long COVID is you don't know when your energy is going to wax and wane. Um, sometimes you wake up and you're feeling fantastic. And then all of a sudden you're just, you know, your blood pressure plummets, your sugar might tank, or you just, your energy reserve for whatever reason it gives out. And so I remember one time I was doing like a virtual paint night with one of my friends and we were painting and I was doing just fine. And then my hand just started to shake because I was getting these intense chills. And it was just really uncomfortable to have to explain that to someone, you know. Um, so it really it definitely makes you know who your great friends are, you know, your writer dies and your family members, but it does make it challenging to navigate work or some of those more acquaintance type relationships because 
the at the end of the day, you might have to cancel last minute. And that's really challenging, you know, to explain that. It's not that you're not dependable or reliable. It's just that long COVID is very fickle. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, th- that idea of tolerance and patience from other people about this is an interesting dimension of the of, of the conversation. I mean, this is affecting you and other people to the point where you're not able to do all of the things that you might have done before. How much patience and tolerance are you finding in the world for the idea that, hey, I've, I had COVID and I still have lingering symptoms that prevent me from doing all the things that I might like to do? Yeah, excellent question. And I I think that unfortunately, the farther away that we get removed from the pandemic, the less tolerance that there is. You know, I have a lot of people reach out to me on social media telling me that, you know, they're experiencing long COVID. And even within them going to their healthcare providers, they're experiencing some gaslighting, which is really sad to hear because even though we're not in the pandemic anymore, you know, long COVID is still here and even COVID is still here. Um, So I think the farther away we get from the pandemic, the less tolerance there is. Um, Having said that, you know, I currently, like my current employer is very understanding um, if there's ever days where I need to like work from home, um, you know, he's very on board with that. So I am very fortunate I think people who have been close to long haulers, like family members, close friends, um, some of those people can be very supportive and understanding. I have heard of a few other cases where, unfortunately, because, you know, COVID is so politicized, um, you know, sometimes it's kind of the opposite. But I think for the most part, um, at least within people's intimate circles, hopefully there's a few people that are understanding. Yeah. We're talking with uh, Dr. Salam Kabani. Uh, she's an infectious diseases pharmacist and author of COVID Long Hauler, My Life Since COVID. Uh, we have been talking today about long haul COVID, uh, people who experience COVID symptoms or symptoms from COVID long after uh, they contract the disease and how that changes their lives, but also uh, how the medical uh, system in our country is dealing with uh, these long-haul symptoms. We would love to hear from you, uh, continue to hear from you on the phones and on social. Give us a call and let us know uh, if you have had long-haul COVID. What's that experience been like? Uh, How did you detect that that's what you were experiencing? And what are the things that you're doing to try to treat it? Uh, What is your doctor saying about uh, ways to deal with long-haul COVID? Um, Also, uh, give us a sense of where you are with the pandemic and all of the things that uh, got disrupted by the pandemic. We're coming up on the three-year anniversary of all of that. It looks really different today, but that doesn't mean that that we don't have any uh, lingering issues or, uh, or memories, of course, of all of the things that did get disrupted and people, of course, who are no longer with us because of the pandemic. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the conversation that way. Um, Dr. Kamani, I want to talk a little about uh, something you said earlier which was about the privilege you have to be able to to kind of navigate this uh, this issue and navigate the healthcare system uh, because you are uh, part of the healthcare system. Um, what is uh, what is the answer for people who are poorer, less connected, or less resourced um, to be able to get help? I mean, is this something that exacerbates, I guess, the great divide? That we have in this country with regard to healthcare, are, we, are you seeing that play out with long haul COVID? Absolutely. I mean, the 
biggest privilege I had is honestly to be able to go on disability. And yes, when I was getting paid, it's, you know, 50% of my normal income. But even as a pharmacist, you know, that's more than many people's annual full income, you know. Um, So just being able to take time off of work to even go to one doctor's appointment is a privilege that unfortunately many people don't have. Um, Otherwise, you know, they can't pay the bills at the end of the month. Um, With regards to accessibility, I think there are some really phenomenal uh, clinics out there. Like I know the Cleveland Clinic specifically has a long COVID clinic, um, and they do provide access to a lot of uninsured people, or they accept many different insurances, and they have a lot of assistance programs. Um, I know not every facility with a long COVID clinic offers that option, um, but I know for them, you know, they, they really do a great job of trying to make care accessible to many people. Having said that, you still have to be able to travel to Cleveland if you're if that's not where you live, um, and that's something that many people can't do. Um, I know I connect with a lot of people, you know, in Canada or in Europe, and care is very different over there as well. Um, but I think that it's important to not give up. You know, my biggest advice for people who are not in healthcare themselves is to utilize social media, you know, that's kind of where the future is at. Um, I I wouldn't trust everything that you see or read on social media. Um, But, you know, if you just type in hashtag long COVID recovery or hashtag long COVID on Instagram, for example, there are so many resources where there's other long haulers or even uh, folks like myself who are pharmacists and long haulers that are sharing, you know, maybe where they got treatment. Um, and that way you can kind of begin to learn where you can seek care and maybe see if some of that is affordable. Um, there's other resources, you know, it may not necessarily come through a clinic, but for example, um, I know one really big thing is just hearing sensitivity, being intolerant of regular noise. And so, you know, one example is someone on there shared these headphones that can really attenuate the sound level around you. That way you can still function as part of society without, you know, feeling like you just can't take it anymore. And I say this because um, one of my providers actually shared with me that her patient can't drive anymore because she just cannot tolerate the sound of other cars passing her on the freeway. Hmm. So for long haulers, you know, this is very real. It's very intense. Um, and, and it can be even for people who had very mild COVID, minimal symptoms, but then up to six months later, they can develop these um, long COVID symptoms such as the sensitivity. So it might be a matter of maybe you're not able to go to a full-blown clinic, unfortunately, but you can learn about other ways to mitigate your own symptoms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Ike in West Bloomfield. Ike, what's on your mind? I uh, wondered uh, what the, your guest feels in terms of the brain fog that many people suffer from as to whether there's any merit in uh, treating that particular system with nootropics. Uh, hmm. In other words, uh, supplement. Is there any results or studies done on whether dealing with brain fog can uh, actually uh, be treated with nutritional approaches to the brain? Yeah, Ike, uh, great question. I'm glad you called uh, Dr. Kabani. Uh, The the brain fog is, is one of the things that you hear a lot about with long-haul COVID, what about treating them with nutritional products? Yeah, great question, Ike. Um, You know, I don't know that there's any, like, official evidence-based recommendation yet. I do know that anecdotally um, some providers are recommending vitamin D as well as vitamin B1. Um, Some people are, you know, experiencing a little bit of relief with that. Um, Some other things that I've heard that, you know, are kind of in the works right now are, infrared um, therapy, so basically just going out into the sun. The recommendation that I have heard was consistently is, you know, about 30 minutes, three times a week, um, and, and the infrared radiation that we're seeking to help kind of 
repair some of that oxidative damage and inflammation, you know, you can be fully clothed, it penetrates. So I know right now in the winter, obviously, um, it's really cold. So, you know, if you're just outside fully clothed, you'll still get some of that. Um, some One other thing that I've heard, you know, if it is sustainable with any other comorbidities you may have is intermittent fasting. Um, I've also heard that's helped a lot of people. Um, I don't know that there's anything specific, you know, over the counter to help with the brain fog. I know there are some trials out there um, for low-dose, I believe it's like low-dose um, naltrexone or something, um, but that, you know, has to be through a provider. So, um that's really as far as I know with the brain fog. I know I had to go to speech therapy, and that really helped. But, again, you, you do need a referral for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ike, I really appreciate the call and uh, and the comments. Uh, we've got about a minute left. Uh, I, I, I wonder if you can talk quickly, Dr. Kabani, about – uh, what you see as, I guess, the prospects for all of this, the things that, that all of us may have to adapt to or keep in mind because there are going to be long-term effects of people who've had uh, COVID-19. Absolutely. I think that moving forward for those of us in the workforce, you know, we have to adapt to colleagues maybe calling out sick or needing certain accommodations because long COVID is an actual disability. And, you know, with that comes accommodating that, obviously, and rightfully so. Um, I think there is going to be a continued need for um, just advocating for long COVID. I think that overall the consensus, you know, everyone's tired of COVID, including myself. <laughs> and so um, there needs to be continued advocacy from long haulers, from those who are around them uh, to make sure that this isn't something we just kind of forget existed because people are going to continue to live with this. And, you know, mm -hmm. even though it's much less, you know, COVID is still here. And so there's going to continue to be people experiencing long COVID. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that we're just going to have to live with and experience. Um, and I really hope that the future landscape involves more advocacy and accessibility for long haulers. Yeah. Dr. Cavani, really great to have you with us, and uh, congratulations on COVID Long Holler, my life since COVID. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. It was a pleasure. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we will have more programming from Detroit Today. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.